This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Oh, what a welcome sound that is. What welcome words they are. Rarely have they been received by this listener with as much enthusiasm as they are today. Here it is, your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction not ordinarily available anywhere else on your radio dial. We will canvas your questions across pretty much any subject or field that you please, from the sublime to the ridiculous, from the serious to the profoundly silly and then hopefully somebody else listening will know the answer to the question that you ask and they'll ring in and provide it if we judge them to be correct and we will need to establish a couple of qualifications before we can do that but don't worry it could just be that you saw it on the telly last week and amazingly you've managed to remember it then you will receive a round of applause if if your qualifications turn out to be exceptional then you may receive you may receive a Ray Liotta and if you don't know what that is, it's the number of people that thought it was an otter from the Essex town of Rayleigh. <laughs> when I first came across that, and it makes perfect sense, of course. It's not really what you expect to hear on, a, on an LBC show. Uh, awards being handed out uh, that, are, that are named after Hollywood legends. It is more likely that we'd be talking about an otter in Rayleigh, perhaps. But um, when I first came across it, I thought it was a joke. And, and it turned out an awful lot of people, honestly, people come up to me and tell me that they... they, they, they thought it was about an otter from Essex rather than about a Hollywood star from America. But anyway, I don't know why I'm wanging on about that because we probably won't get one. We very rarely do. Uh, phone lines are open. The number you need is 0345 And the question that you have will hopefully be answered by somebody else. I don't think I need to do any more descriptions. Do you? Really? I mean, it's writing itself at the moment, Mystery Hour, and I'm particularly delighted to see it playing a small role in the isolation, the self-isolation that many, many children are currently enduring or perhaps enjoying. So hopefully that will be something else that pops up this week. So very briefly, if you're new to this, then uh, people ring in with questions and then people ring in with answers. It sounds dull, but it isn't. It's beautiful, trust me. The only rule really, the only rule left as, as I've aged through the, through the years of doing this feature and abandoned rule after rule after rule, the only rule left, really, is that you're not allowed to look anything up, it, it, for obvious reasons. But I want to know how you know the thing that you know. So if you were to Google it, you'd just make a mockery of the whole process. Um, I know sometimes people slip through the net and they don't really understand that they shouldn't have done, but that's only when I've forgotten to say at the outset. You need to know the answer to the question because of something you've read or studied or learned or experienced or watched, not, not because you Googled it five seconds after it was asked today. All right. Thank you very much. That's about as schoolmasterly as I, as I think I ever get. It's 12.07. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Mystery Hour is upon us. Let's start with Charlie, who's in Bristol. Charlie, question or answer? Uh, it's a question. Carry on, Charlie. It'd be a bit weird if it was an answer, wouldn't it? Because I haven't asked any questions yet. Yeah. Well, you are in international waters in yes. a boat, obviously. Um, and you come across an unclaimed island, would you then be able to claim it as yours? An island? Yeah, like... Um, no, like... I know what an island is. I thought, I thought you maybe were going to ask me about an abandoned boat or something like that. I didn't realise we were going for an actual... So this would become the kingdom of Charlie, am I right? Yeah, really. Yeah. 
no, I, I like the idea. And then you could bring in whatever rules you wanted. And if anybody wanted to live there with you, they'd have to obey you and worship you. Yeah. Yeah. You got any brothers and sisters? Uh, One brother, one sister. I bet you'd quite like being worshipped by them, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. It'd be quite important. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't even know. If you find an... Un, I mean, it would have to be an undiscovered island, wouldn't it? It would have to be an island that was previously unknown and therefore doesn't belong to anybody already. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if, if any are left, but, of course, you could never say for sure that there are none left because someone might find one tomorrow. Like I shall try... by a volcano or something. Yeah, something that's just emerged from the sea. You're right. Hey, you're clever. That's a really good point. A new island. Okay, I, and, and if, if you find it, can you claim it in the way that, you know, Captain Cook did and Vasco da Gama and Christopher Columbus, if you, if you, and Neil Armstrong, I suppose, in a way, if you stick a flag in it and no one's ever been there before, can you keep it? That's what we're asking, right? Yeah. Good work, Charlie. I like it. Thank you for that. How old are you, mate? Uh, Ten. Good grief. Oh, very, very, very clever question for, for a 50-year-old, never mind a 10-year-old. Nine minutes after 12 is the time. Thank you, Charlie. Dylan is in Birmingham. Dylan, question or answer? Uh, I've got a question. Carry on, mate. If you've been blind since you were born and, like, you've never seen anything, could yeah. you see in your dreams... I, I think I know the answer to this, but I don't think I should answer it, should I? Because I, 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 we need to hear from someone who, who is blind, who has been blind since birth. Yeah. That'd be much more helpful for you, wouldn't it? Mm. What yeah. made you think about it? Well, uh, before we went into lockdown, me and my friends were talking about it at school, and, like, yeah. none of us knew the answer. So we and now you've discovered it. Mystery Hour, and hopefully, the pressure's on me now, Dylan, hopefully we'll get you an answer to that question, not just before you go back to school, whenever that might be, but before uh, one o'clock today. How old are you, Dylan? Uh, I'm 11. So 10, 10 and 11, fantastic stuff. We'll try and get you an answer to that. Um, it might be on. There is a Mystery Hour archive for the grown-ups. But, um, of course, if you've never, ever seen anything, then... Uh, quite what your imagination could conjure up in the context of dreaming is something that I, I think we should take only first-hand answers to. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. If 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 you find an island that is currently unclaimed, no one's ever been there before. It's in international waters. It belongs to nobody. Can you stick a flag in it and keep it and uh, institute the glorious kingdom of Charlie? And if you've never had vision, you've never had sight, you've been blind since birth. What are your dreams like? Talib's in Hayes. Talib, question or answer? Um, question, James. Carry on, Talib. So, why don't animals wear glasses? Do they not have eyesight problems, or do wildlife zookeepers not care to help them? Ah, it's, it's quite a good question. I don't know whether or not you're going to like my answer, and I shall let you decide whether or not you accept it. But listen, here's the problem. Have, do you wear glasses, Talib? No, I don't. Okay. I, I, I kind of, I'm supposed to, but between you and me, I lost them before the lockdown started. So what I do now is I just sit three inches away from the television and tell my children to stop complaining when they keep telling me that they can't see the screen. So I'm fine. But with the glasses, when I need glasses, I go to the opticians. And when I go to the opticians, I sit down in a chair and I look at a chart about 12 feet away and I read the letters on the chart until I can't read them anymore so that the optician can get an idea of what my eyesight is like. Can you see what the problem might be with animals? Oh, yes, yeah, so they can't, they can't look at a, a, a board and tell you what the letters are. Correct. 
you could probably, if you were a zookeeper and you thought that the, the lion was looking a bit weird all of a sudden because it kept walking past its dinner, uh, you could probably stick some spectacles on him and then he would find his dinner and you'd realise that his eyesight is deteriorating. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't want the job of making sure a lion kept his glasses on, would you? No. But maybe a cat or a dog. I, I think that's the answer. I think testing their eyes would be so complicated. But, it, Taleb, as I promised you at the beginning, you can decide whether or not to accept this answer. Yeah, I'd really like a scientific answer. That is a scientific answer. Animals can't talk. How much science do you need? Because don't we have like microscopes that you put in somebody's eye so you can see certain parts of their eye that that might be deteriorating? But why would you do that unless you were doing it to every single animal? Why would you? Well, I'm not going to argue with you. You have decided not to accept my frankly brilliant answer, and instead you've decided to follow the very fashionable course, Talib, and, and follow the science. I shall leave it on the board for you. Why don't animals wear glasses? Do you know what will happen now, Talib? Do you know what always happens on Mystery Hour when I take the mickey out of someone's question? Mm-hmm. Someone, someone will ring in and make me look stupid. Someone will ring in in about 20 minutes' time and say, actually, James, I'm sitting here with my cat, Colin, and he currently is wearing his spectacles, and I'll feel like a complete prune, and you'll be the winner. So let's wait and see. Mind how you go, and look after yourself. 13 minutes after 12 is the time. Megan's in Cork. Megan, question or answer? Question. Uh, how does your skin get wrinkly in the water after your bath? Why does your skin go wrinkly in the water after your bath? Uh-huh. I like that question a lot. How wrinkly? How old are you, Megan? Um, six and three quarters. Six and three quarters, and the three quarters are the most important bit of that. And how wrinkly does your skin go if you stay in the bath for ages? Um, a lot. Does it go as wrinkly as a really old person, like, say, someone who's 48? Um, nope. Doesn't go that wrinkly. Well, that's a relief. Let's find out for you. I, 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 Josh may need to get a certain little sound effect ready for that one, but I shall let somebody else provide... The answer, Megan, what a lovely question. You take care of yourself. It's coming up to quarter past 12. Why does our skin go wrinkly in the bath? Why don't animals wear glasses? What do people blind from birth dream? And if you find an island that no one's ever found before, for example, an island that has emerged afresh from the sea as a result of um, underwater volcanic activity, can you keep it if it's sort of not in waters that currently belong to anybody? 0345 is the number you need if you can answer any of those questions or indeed if you have a question of your own. The time now is 12.15. This is LBC. LBC throughout the day. With gov.uk business support. Find out the current financial support available for your business. 17 minutes after 12 is the time. Mystery Hour is upon us. Uh, four great questions in the bag with a combined age from the askers of 21, 27, about 37, I forgot to ask Talib, and three quarters. Can you answer any of them? Or do you have one of your own? Um, I should add, grown-ups are allowed to ring in. Um, I just think the producer is being a bit ageist at the moment and not putting any of you through. Charlie's in pool. Charlie, question or answer? Question. Carry on, Charlie. Um, what's the difference between a disease and a virus? Oh, that's good. Something to do with the difference between 
pathogens and bacteria, isn't it? But you don't want to hear it from me. You want to hear it from a proper scientist or, or at least some sort of expert. Um, the difference between a disease and a virus. They're, I mean, they might cross over slightly, mightn't they? Is, I mean, is a virus not a disease? Well, anyway, I'm not going to talk. I, I shall wait for someone clever to ring in and answer that question for you. How old are you, Charlie? I'm 12 years old. Sure, you're the oldest person, apart from me, you're the oldest person to contribute to Mystery Hour so far this week. Thank you very much for an excellent and very topical question. What is the difference between a disease and a virus? 12.18 is the time. James is in Kingston. James, question or answer? Question. Carry on, James. Um, my question is, why, what, why do people have different eye colours? How do you... It, go on. In the sense that, why don't we just all have the same coloured eyes? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I quite like that. What, why do you want to know? Um, well, my dad said I've got really green eyes. And my mum has really grey and my dad has blue eyes. Okay. So, so you just want to know why? Why don't why don't we all have yeah. the same coloured eyes? I mean, it doesn't really affect the job that they do, does it? And um, no. given that we've all got a common ancestor, if you go back far enough, at what point did we start having different coloured eyes? It'd be something to do with evolution, James, but I'm not clever enough to, to, to tell you precisely what. So I shall put that on the board and thank you for the question. How old are you? Twelve. Two twelve. There we go. Twelve, twelve, six and three quarters, six, eleven and ten. Thank you very much indeed, James. You look after yourself. I'll do my best to get you an answer. Uh, David is in Finchley. David, question or answer? Question. And at 67 and a half, I think I've just raised the average age of your callers. Uh, raised the average age? You've about tripled it, mate. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> I was banking a cheque online and I had to photograph the front of the cheque. Yeah. Why do I need to photograph the back of the cheque, which is blank? Aren't you supposed to write your card details nope. on it? All right, mate. Nope, God, I was only nope. asking. No, definitely all right. not. All right, all right, David. Can't I mean? I know tempers are running high at the moment, but there's no need to snap. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to be clear, you're you're paying it in by post after taking pictures of it. I'm paying it online. They ask you to photograph the front for obvious yes. reasons, yes. and then they ask you. To photograph the back of the cheque, which is a completely blank. Yeah, but yours is, but not all of them are. It's obvious. Um, well, OK. Um, I, I mean, it's a long time since I used cheques, but usually it would be to pay for pizza on the doorstep that had just been delivered, and the cheque on the back of it had little boxes into which you were supposed to put your, well, your numbers cheques, and your... All the cheques I've received and the ones I've banked online, they've all been completely blank. Yeah, but the question you asked is, why do I need to take a photograph of the back of it? To which the answer is very simply, some checks have got stuff on the back of them. Well, I think, you're, would... gonna, I think, you're, gonna under, yeah, I think you're gonna understand that I would probably want a more definitive answer from somebody. Well, that's, I'm following the science. What are you talking about? Come on, we need to ramp up this issue of, of mystery. We all need to pull together. Well, you still owe me £2.50 from a few years ago. From a Next caller, please. No, cut, 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 no, no, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I think the line's gone down again to, to Leicester Square. Great work being done by our engineering department at the moment, keeping me on air. Why does David have to take a picture of the back of his cheque? 03456060973. Kate is in Westminster. Kate, question or answer? Hi, James. Um, it's an answer to the second question regarding uh, people who are visually impaired and their dreams. Yes, thank you. So I'm not visually impaired, but my brother, my younger brother is and has been 
all his life. And yeah. he and I have had conversations about this because so he's a musician and he said that he doesn't see pictures and, and, and obviously he doesn't really have an yes. understanding as we do of, of what pictures are. But when he dreams, he dreams about music. And when he was younger, he actually used to have nightmares um, and it would they would all be to do with music being out of tune or oh, him really? performing, yeah, in a in a band sort of setting, say, yes. and things going wrong, or and it was it was generally to do with things out of, being out of tune. He's got perfect pitch, and he, he plays How a number funny. of instruments. How fascinating! But, but so, he was so scared. Yes, and I mean, yeah, it was a very real nightmare. And at first, it was it was quite strange because we assumed as a family that it would be a nightmare, as you or I might, you know, mm. might have. Mm. Um, but it, everything you could... he's always said was, was to do with music. Good grief! And and I, I mean to extrapolate from that and his personal yeah. enthusiasms and experiences, it's it, it becomes fairly clear that that they're going to dream with the senses that they have got, not with the sense that's that they right, haven't. That they don't, so, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I imagine, I mean, it's only him, <laughs> but yes. I'm guessing that, yes, what you just said must apply to... Other, to other dreamers will be, yeah. other dreams will involve sound and, and, and smell and different combinations, that's even right. touch and all of the things that's, that yes, inform their daily life. Right. They're, they're, that's right. Oh, yeah. It's kind of obvious now you come to mention it, but I don't think we'd have worked our way there in the end. That's a lovely answer. And you've Thank already you. established your qualification, so I can give you, <laughs> Thank you the first round of applause of the day, Kate. That's exciting. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Oliver is, it says here, on an island in Stafford. Is that right, Oliver? Yep, yep, in Stafford. But are you on an island? Um, I am not, but I do oh. study but I did study them um, at A-level. Oh, so you've got an answer about the islands? Yes. Because do you know what they wrote on my screen? And this is just fun. There's no criticism. <laughs> Everyone's moving on a sixpence at the moment. They wrote, Oliver is an island in Stafford with an answer about adults. And I thought, well, I don't remember any questions about adults, but I'm fascinated to speak to someone who's okay. on an island. And the really, <laughs> the really weird thing is... You can tell I've been under lockdown for 39 days, can't you, mate? The really weird thing is that not more than half a mile from where I'm sitting now is a very small landmass in the middle of the River Thames called Oliver's Island. Oh, uh, okay. Um, it's a I'll, funny I'll, old world. I'll have to look up the uh, rights for you that. Don't, don't, well. don't need to. I'll tell you the only interesting thing about it, which is it is rumoured that a tunnel was dug from the Bull's Head pub where I, uh, in periods of non-lockdown, can often be found to said island through which Oliver Cromwell escaped during the English Civil War. Because, of course, the famous Battle of Turnham Green unfolded not too far from here. But that has absolutely nothing to do with why you rang in, and I've distracted you so completely you probably can't remember. Um, right, I'll, uh, I'll do my best. Carry on. OK, so if they're in international waters, um, obviously there is no jurisdiction so they could be claimed now um there is an example of uh, i've done it have you ever heard of the island of Circe off no. iceland no well that that was a volcanic island i think it was some fishermen discovered it and when the news started breaking they had uh, the french press try to actually claim it for france 
However, okay. it was just it was just within the Icelandic boundary, so it so they got first Iceland. dibs. They got dibs. So it went to Iceland instead. But the sort of the effort was there. Um, obviously, the island it, because it's volcanic, it's very unstable, and it's sort of it's slowly vanishing. But sort of that is, it, you know, that's actually an example of that being played out sort of can someone play if it? it was genuinely in international waters charlie could keep it yes wow um but you know unfortunately most of them are already in established countries you know you <laughs> unfortunately yes oh, it depends on your view of international relations whether it's fortunate or unfortunate but from yeah. charlie's point from charlie's point of view it's definitely unfortunate because it's going to be much harder for him to find an island which he can upon which he can declare his own glorious rule what, what are your qualifications um that was geography and geology which was the only level i passed what does it mean? Look at that. You see, that's glass half empty. You usually didn't need to tell us you failed the other ones. You could have just yeah. said A-level geography and geology. Ha, ha, ha. Bada bing, bada well, boom, cha-ching. Uh, you know, I'm just following your example of honesty and, you know, being truthful. Full disclosure. Full disclosure yeah, is the phrase that disclosure. you're looking for. Ah, you could have been a little bit economical with the actuality. Anyway, who needs A-levels when you get a mystery hour round of applause? Thank you very much. Thank you, Oliver. 27 minutes after 12 is the time. And if you do like um, sort of light relief coupled with local history, my friend Scott, uh, who you've heard me talk about a lot on the programme, did a wonderful podcast because there were similar rumours about a tunnel in Oxbridge, uh, under a pub in Oxbridge. Uh, there must be stories like this up and down the country. Uh, so he embarked upon a quest to find it. And if you haven't had a look at, at that podcast, I shall dig it out at the end of the programme and retweet it for you. But it is, I mean, not only is it charming, and, and Scott is a born broadcaster. Um, but, 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 no spoiler alerts. It's, it's worth listening right to the end. 27 minutes after 12 is the time. Isabella is in Cardiff. Isabella, question or answer? Answer. Carry on. Um, it's to the eye colour question. Oh, yes. Go on, tell me. So, I know... Um, why we all have different eye colours, and it also applies to hair colour as well. When we are born, we have certain amounts of melanin in our body. Oh, yes. If you're born with very little melanin, you're going to have um, really light blonde hair and blue eyes. But if you're born with lots and lots of melanin, you're going to have dark brown hair and dark eyes. Ah, so it's that simple? Yes, really that and, and And melanin is what makes us go... Suntanned in the sun as well, is it? I think. Yeah. The more melanin you've got, the darker your skin will be. Yeah. I think. What are your qualifications? Uh, have you got a PhD in this, or just an undergraduate degree? Um, I really just am interested in genetics, and a couple of years ago, I was scrolling through YouTube and found a video on it, so I learned all about it. Oh, that's brilliant! And now you've shared it with us. So a couple of years ago, when you were when you were young, Isabella. Yeah. Yeah, not not like now. How old are you now? Ten. You might be, and I'd I'd have to check the records. And between you and me, we haven't got any records. I'd have to check the records, but you might be the youngest person ever to get a round of applause on Mystria. Wow. Well, <laughs> thank you for at least pretending to sound excited. <laughs> 
Professor Isabella, thank you very much indeed. Have a lovely time. And, and whichever parent it was in the background, well done to you as well. In fact, well done to all the parents in the background today. It's a, it's a lovely little feature, isn't it? I, I wish we could find something similar to do more regularly so that we get more of these more of these little moments together during these ding, 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 unprecedented times. It's coming up to half past 12. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Time now for the very latest news headlines with Dominic Ellis. LBC throughout the day. With Gulf.UK business support. Information on how to help protect jobs and the economy. 12.33 is the time you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where Mystery Hour continues. I don't know if you heard any little interventions there from my own homeschooled, uh, the homeschooled population of this family, if, if you did. Um, I, I would normally apologise, but these are ding, 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 unprecedented times. Back to Mystery Hour. Many questions on the board already in need of answers. Um, some that we have successfully dealt with, of course, for example. Charlie can keep an island that he finds if, if he manages to stumble across one in international waters. We need to know why animals don't wear glasses. If you follow me on Twitter, there's a bit of fun going on with regard to that. Why our skin gets wrinkly in the bath? That was Megan, who is six and three quarters and in dire need of a proper answer, ideally from some sort of scientist to that question, or even a teacher. Uh, Charlie wants to know the difference between a virus and a disease. Um, James wants, oh no, we've done the eye colours. And David, who's 67 and a half, would like to know why he had to take a picture of the back of his cheque when he was depositing it online. I've told him why, but, you know, when, when Mystery Hour is taken over by children, I think it's important to be a lot more patient than I usually am with the callers. So I've explained to David, age 67 and a half, why this is, uh, but he wants to hear it from somebody else, okay? So if you do know the answer and you do, for example, work for a bank... Now's your chance. 03456060973. If you can answer any of them or if you've got a question of your own. Rod is in Porth Levin in Cornwall. Rod, question or answer? Good afternoon. I've got an answer. You know, Rod is one of those names where you can be almost certain that it's not going to be someone under the age of 10. Why is that, do you think? Why is that? I don't know. Um, yeah, good, good question. I'm actually just, a Rodrick, it, not a Rodney. So. It doesn't matter, does it? You just don't. You don't really come across any Rods or Rod, Rod, Rodneys or Rodericks who are who are young. It's like I'm Ivy. Or... Now, amongst children I teach, there's a lot of names now that we didn't see at all when I was at, at school myself. So yeah. a lot of them begin with K, in my experience. But this is perhaps a conversation Caleb, for a different thing. Yes, Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Sure. All of that. What what question would you like to answer? Wrinkly skin in the bath. Take it away. The answer is osmosis. Oh, Josh, Josh is quite new to the team. And although we did give him a little heads up on that, he, he obviously doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. Don't be surprised if it appears at random at some point in the next couple of minutes of our conversation. You're going to have to explain a little further, Rod. A technical explanation is water molecules are smaller than solute molecules and they can move through cell membranes more easily so semi-permeable water yeah semi-permeable membranes like a cell like your skin cells for example mm. so water tends to be more likely to move into a place where there's a lot of stuff dissolved like the middle of your cells so if you're sitting in the bath more water is going to move into your cells of your skin than is going to move out 
so your skin swells a bit, but it doesn't so, do that. So it's absorbing, it's absorbing all the water because the concentration yeah. on the inside of your skin is much greater at the beginning of your bath than the concentration so on the outside. Concentration is, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, you've got yourself a round of applause. It, it took me years to understand that because you always presume that the wrinkling process involves desiccating or drying, don't you? The, the, you just presume it does, but of course, it's actually the opposite. It's, it's more of an inflation with water of the skin cells. As far as I understand it, I think it could go the other way around, but as the water's moving in, the, the dead skin cells on the surface will swell, and they don't mm. do that in a uniform way for whatever reason. Some bits swell more than others. So it doesn't just inflate, it comes out wrinkled. But why some bits swell more than others, you'd have to ask a, a, an expert in dermatology or something like that. Well, we don't. We've got the answer to the question. We know, we know what the answer is. The answer is osmosis. My pleasure. No, still not there. What do you teach, Rod? What are your qualifications? Oh, there it is. There. Hi. Oh, thank Can you, you hear me? Better late than never. Yeah, loud and clear. What do you teach? What are your qualifications? Uh, science, biology. I've been teaching, well, I've, I've kind of... Semi-retired now. I just supply teach, but yeah, I'm a, been I teaching biology for about thirty years or so. Thirty years teaching biology. I think that that will be good enough for Megan, aged six and three quarters. But if it isn't, we may have to get back to you. In the meantime, have a round of applause. <laughs> Lovely stuff, um, and well done, Josh. Ian is in Cobham. Ian, question or answer? Um, it's an answer, James. Carry on. It's an answer to the uh, question as to why checks are blank on the back but required to be scanned by the machine in the bank. Uh, the answer is that checks can be open or closed. A closed check has got two um, vertical lines down in the middle of it on the sort of payee and amount section. Open check hasn't got those lines. And uh, if it is an open check, it can be endorsed um, from the uh, payee on the check to the person who's cashing it in, and that endorsement takes place on the back of the check. So I was right. Absolutely. Not to put too fine a point on it, David, age 67 and a half, wasn't prepared to accept my answer, which was that there were lots and lots of checks where it would be helpful to take the picture of the back. So rather than run the risk of not getting the information that they need, they insist that all their clients take pictures of all backs of checks. And even if there is nothing written on it, you would be required to do that. Exactly. Qualifications? Uh, worked in a bank for 11 years. That'll do nicely. By rights, this is really my round of applause, but David, age 67 and a half, was fairly adamant that he wasn't prepared to accept my completely correct answer, which means this round of applause, Ian, is for you. Thanks, James. Take care. Thank you, mate, and you. Uh, 12.39 is the time. So we can cross off David, which brings the average age of contributors to mystery so far back down to single figures. Uh, Noah is in Halifax. Noah, question or answer? Um, question. Carry on. Who taught the first teacher? Oh, that's good. But that's almost that's almost chicken and egg, isn't it? Yeah. Because if if I mean, if you were the first teacher, what would you call the person that taught you, Noah? I'm not sure. I'd probably call him God. <laughs> <laughs> Crikey, we're covering a lot of ground with this one. So who, I mean, I, I, I'd lean for something like Aristotle in that little cobbler's shop in the, in the Parthenon in Athens where people like Socrates would be turning up to, to learn their letter. No, Plato, Plato, Plato turning up to, but that's not what you're after. Who taught the first teacher? It may be a riddle. It may have an answer. 
but it may be that you've already answered it by saying some some unknowable omniscient entity oh, i love that question now how old are you mate uh, i'm 10 10 years old when did you come up with this question pardon when did you come up with this question i came up with it just then really yeah you must have a pretty big brain when i was 10 i was just wondering where my next bag of sweets was going to come from and you're wondering about the dawn of teaching in time yeah. it's been a long it's been a long lockdown hasn't it yeah i'm also here with my sisters uh, Mag uh maggie darcy and lily maggie darcy lily and noah well will you congratulate yeah. your mum for me on magnificent name selection because those are four brilliant names and I, can't, I don't know about I don't know about Maggie, Darcy, and Lily, but you should also congratulate her on on bringing you up with such a big brain and such an inquiring mind. All of, all of which is me waffling away, Noah, to cover up the fact that I don't think anyone's going to be able to answer your question. It's too clever. <laughs> Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see who taught the first teacher. And if you're a bit of a pain in the bottom like I am you will also have to answer the question of all right then what did he call his teacher or what did she call her teacher yeah uh Talisi is I'm not sure where you are but you are on the line now question or answer Talisi Talies what Taliesin Taliesin question carry on good question please carry on um why don't uh, why don't small flying insects get knocked out when it's raining? Why don't they? Yeah, why don't they? Because they go and land and hide under a leaf, don't they? No, uh, flying bugs when they're like uh, nowhere near their home. And and you can still see them flying around when it's raining. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. All right, cool. No, I, I like that question. Maybe they've got radar. Do you think they've got radar and they can dodge all the raindrops? No. Why not? Don't laugh at me. I thought that was quite a clever suggestion, actually. But then again, maybe not. Let's find out for you. Why do, don't, small flying insects get knocked out when it's raining? How old are you, Taliesin? Nine. Nine years old. Fantastic. And what made you think of that question? Well, it, um, so... It, it, it was uh, it was my mum's question that she thought of uh, that she was thinking of for a long time, and I uh, <laughs> and then she told me why don't I ask it on Mystery Hour? Well, that is a very honest answer, actually, and I really really like it. And if we can get you an answer, I want you to keep it and not tell your mum. All right? Okay. You can make her give you fifty p if she wants to find out if we get you an answer. So go and put your headphones on for the rest of the program. Twelve forty three is the time. Thank you, mate, Chloe. I don't know where you are either, but you are here. Chloe, question or answer? Question. Go on. So how can a baby survive in its mother's amniotic fluid? Hello, Mum. <laughs> Why is it that a baby can breathe underwater after being born? I I know this, but I don't know if you... Want me? Do you want me to answer the question? Do you mind if I answer it, or would you rather wait for a doctor or something? Uh, you can do it. Okay. The, I mean, I think the short answer is that the amniotic fluid is in the lungs like air is, but until birth, the baby is part of 
the mother's body. So the amniotic fluid is going around the lungs, feeding oxygen into the what will be the baby's body. Um, but that's very, very different from water. So it, it, actually, this isn't good enough, is it, Chloe? Yeah. I, I, I'm sounding confused already, so I'm going to leave it on the board. I, I kind of know the answer. Do you ever have this problem where you kind of know it in your head, but you can't get the words right to explain yourself? Yeah. No? I do sometimes. You do? Oh, that's a relief, because I do this for a living. Right, let's get an answer for Chloe. Sharpish. Why can't babies breathe underwater? Essentially, given that they've just spent nine months, in most cases, with fluid knocking around their lungs. 12.44 is the time. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. There's still quite a few that need answers. I would stress you don't have to be um, under the age of 13 to, to provide answers. And if you think you know one of them, then, well, you know what to do. 0345 973 it's 12.45. Coming up at one on LBC, Sheila Fogarty. Boris Johnson will front today's Downing Street briefing and is expected to address questions on lockdown. Are you happy to continue or does he need to throw you a bone? Sheila Fogarty on LBC. LBC throughout the day. With gov.uk business support. Find out the current financial support available for your business. 12.47 is the time. You're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where I really want to know why animals don't wear glasses. And um, I, I would quite like... Someone suggested you all send me pictures of uh, of animals in glasses, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It's so childish. Uh, so we've done the wrinkly skin. We need to know the difference between a virus and a disease. And we need to know why animals don't wear glasses. And... What was Tally Essence? Ah, and why, why can't babies breathe underwater given that they've just spent nine months uh, with amniotic, amniotic fluid? Um, that was Chloe. What was Tally Essence's question? The flying insects. Why don't flying insects get knocked out of the sky by demon raindrops? 03456060973 if you can answer any of these. Mike's in Corby. Mike, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, Michael. Okay, it's the difference between a disease and a virus. Oh, yes. Um, the difference is essentially the disease describes what's happening in the body. So you talk about lots of different diseases. You talk about heart disease, lung disease, coronary artery disease. In this case, you're talking about with, with coronavirus disease, the disease is known as COVID-19, which mm. basically means coronavirus disease that started in 2019. So a virus is a disease? Um, no, is virus, I... is, virus is an agent that causes the disease. So there are lots of different oh. things. Vir viruses are usually little bits of genetic material wrapped up in um, a little package of protein or protein and fat. Um, yes. Or you can get diseases, other infectious diseases caused by uh, bacteria, which are like little plant or animal cells. You can also get diseases caused by other infective agents like yeasts, fungi. Um, so the virus is actually the infective agent. Uh, whether it's alive or not is debatable biologically, but it consists of little bits of genetic material. The disease is essentially what happens to the body. That's it. That's a lovely answer. So, yeah. Yeah. So your coronavirus, um, the actual correct name of the virus is SARS-CoV-2. Yes. Um, and the disease is COVID-19. So the virus is the postman and the, and the disease is the parcel? Uh, 
the disease is what happens to the body. The virus. You're resisting. You're resisting the simplicity of my analogy, aren't you? Because <laughs> I, I think it was wrong. Uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> the disease is what happens to the body. The virus is the infective agent that causes the disease. Ah, the so germ, the virus the is the virus is the part. I'll stop with my package and parcel and postman analogies and just ask you, what are your qualifications, Mike? I'm a retired fellow of the Royal College of Pathologists and uh, also a medically qualified doctor. Yeah, but apart from that, um, I'm, jo- I'm teasing you. I'm yanking your chain. Give, Michael, give, give him a round of applause immediately. Great stuff. Do you have? I mean, should we be talking? On more serious matters later in the week, given your background, have you got insights into what's going on that we might be interested in? Uh, not really. I've been retired for too long. I think you need to <laughs> That's what, do you know, we need more people more in public you. life. We need more people in public life saying, actually, I'm, I'm not qualified to answer this question. Instead of living in a country where we say, and now here's Digby Pudding Jones to share his thoughts on the latest news. 12.50 is the time. Thank you, Mike. Did he get his round of applause? Did he get his round of applause? He did, cool. On to Ben. Ben's in Edinburgh. I've no idea why you're here. Question or answer? Uh, answer, James. Carry on, Ben. So you had an answer just before about why your fingers go wrinkly in the bath. Uh, yes. The problem you had with that answer is it's not actually correct. Uh, oh. People, people he was, he was a biology time, teacher. He was a biology teacher. Uh, well, people thought for a very long time that was the reason. So he, he may have read the book that said that. But um, what we know now is it's actually your nerves reacting to the water. And what they do is they make your skin go bumpy. Uh, they, they make them all look all wrinkly and, and horrible and pruney. Um, and one of the reasons we think that is is so that you can swim better in the water. And one of the reasons we know that's the case is if you look at people that have got damage to the nerve on one hand but not the other hand, and if you put both of those in water, only one of the hands go pruney. Gosh. God, that, you know, now... This this actually rings a bell. It's to it's it's not so much to I remember this now. It's not so much to make us better at swimming. It's to improve our grip, isn't it, on underwater objects? They think there's probably yeah, there's, there's probably multiple reasons that it's come about, but it's it's just really interesting. It is really interesting, and and goodness me, crikey, um, Megan, age six and three quarters, has, has has opened a flipping Pandora's box of science here. But but that yeah, I mean the last fellow was right, uh, Rod, up to the point that. That was the received wisdom for a very, very long time. But there is now reason to believe that, that wrinkly fingers happen for evolutionary reasons, going back God knows how many millennia, well, m- many more than millennia, millions of years, when it would have improved our ability to, to get hold of stuff underwater or even have increased our surface area to a degree that, that improved our swimming abilities. Well, that's a lovely answer. You should have announced that you were doing a steward's inquiry, but... Um, normal normal rules are suspended for the duration of the lockdown. What are, what are your qualifications? Uh, I'm, I'm a scientist. I remember this when I was in med school. Yeah, nice work. Round of applause for Ben. Uh, Nigel, I think, is next in Devon. Nigel, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer, James. Carry on. Okay, it's uh, why don't um, animals wear glasses? <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> right, okay. Well, obviously, there's a practical issue, isn't there? Yeah, they, they don't always suit whatever style you choose to use. Them, <laughs> um, They're too the, vain. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The more important thing, really, is that um, all the different species of animals all see slightly differently. I mean, for example, hamsters are very, very short-sighted. They're notoriously short-sighted. 
And um, animals like uh, the horse and the dog, for example, have got what we would call long vision or long sight. In fact, a lot of dogs, you know, rely more on smell than, than vision to see. They also, um, a lot of animals, uh, they don't see quite like we do. I mean, some of them can't see in colour, for example. I mean, horses, cattle, dogs, cattle, that don't really see in colour because uh, they don't have the right cells in the back of the, the, the retina. Um, so that can be a problem for them. Oh, yeah. And uh, and budgerigars, for example, see an ultraviolet. So that's another interesting little thing. You can. So there's, a, there's can lots actually, of different. There's lots of answers. But you could presumably yeah. correct the vision yeah. of a mammal, could you, with lenses? Well, you can. Um, it, it, the practicality of doing, it, as I said, really, is actually getting them to to, to wear a lens. But um, yes. you can measure. Uh, the question was asked about, you know, I go to the optician and I read the, the eye chart, don't I? But you can mm. actually measure what an animal sees by using a thing called an electroretinogram, which is you put light into the front of the eye, and obviously you get an electrical signal that comes out, and so you're able to measure what the... Do, do you know, do. Nigel, I don't, I don't know how much of the exchange you heard or how much you were concentrating, but Talib, who, yeah. who's the only person today the only child whose age i forgot to ask yeah. but he, he, he sat well i want to say how old he sounded because these things can be crushing at that age he yeah. corrected me on that i, I yeah. he said i think they can shine something into the eye to, to to tell they can do some sort of science and and he, he made a mockery of my eye chart yeah, answer he was so right yeah he was wasn't he i know yeah from the yeah. mouth of yes. <laughs> so so, so no. i mean the, the, anyway, a variety of answers too, too complicated too difficult okay. go on i won't make it too complicated but the point is um they don't tend to wear glasses, but interestingly enough, they do occasionally have their lenses removed and uh, the lenses can be replaced. It happens sometimes in racehorses, for example, and it happens a lot in um, zoo animals, things like tigers, oh, lions. And things really? Like that. Yeah, if you get a cataract, you know, some, some animals are born with cataracts, called juvenile yes. cataracts, and some obviously acquire them through injury or whatever. You can actually remove the lens and put in either leave, leave it open, which is not an uncommon thing to do in dogs, for example, or alternatively slip in a, a nice little lens that will, you know, help them to see. And now, quite how optically uh, helpful that is, is, is well, debatable. Because I think, you know, obviously the whoever's working on it doesn't necessarily know what the, the actual visual acuity of the animal is. But um, that can be done. And we do tend to use um, uh, temporary uh, lenses and coverings and things where animals have eye injuries. So they do sometimes, if, if a dog or a cat, for example, as a, an eye injury, you can have a lens that's an artificial sort of plastic type, well, a bit like a plastic contact lens that goes on the front of the eye, but that's just to protect the eye. It doesn't really help the vision, just allow the eye to heal. So there's quite a lot going well, on in the eye. Well, that's a bad, yeah, qualifications veterinary surgeon. Veterinary surgeon, yeah. When did you last improve the eyesight of, a, of an animal? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. Well, in practice, we do it on a regular basis. I mean, yeah. we do it all the time, really. So it was a brilliant um, question from Talib. Within, within the veterinary profession, there's um, uh, a big group of talented vets who just specialise in, in eye problems, and we do exactly the same as happens in human surgery now. Oh, superb. Uh, I'm going to crack on because I've got two more. We might be able to go all the way on this. So round of applause Excellent. for Nigel. Great work, mate. Lovely stuff. And Talib, that was an even better question than I realised. Sarah's in Hertfordshire. We're going to speed along, Sarah. Question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on. The baby in the amniotic fluid has um, the most amazing organ that humans produce, the placenta. And the placenta is attached on the inside of the mother's womb. And the placenta is attached to the baby 
through the umbilical cord, so it goes into the baby's tummy button. And through that, the baby gets oxygen from the mother's blood system and also gets rid of carbon dioxide into the mother's blood system and also gets rid of all sorts of other um, things that the baby needs to get rid of while it's forming. So um, the amniotic fluid doesn't do much other than protect the baby. It doesn't carry oxygen to the baby. So it, it, That'll it do perfectly, I think. Qualifications? Qualifications? Uh, mid- <coughs> midwife for 28 years. I'm retired now. That'll do nicely. That's good enough for me, and I'm in charge. Round of applause okay. for Sarah. Quick, quick, quickly to Jonathan in Ashford. Question or answer? Answer. What is it? It's about the flying insects, James. Hit it. Okay, so insects, massive, flying insects, massive families, you know, huge variety. Um, pollinators don't fly in the rain. They're generally larger, larger insects, and um, if they, they, they can't function in the rain, whereas small insects like gnats have adapted in, generally speaking, moist environments, um, particularly mosquitoes and so on. And if they're adapted to moist environments, they can normally fly in the rain. Ah, qualifications? Um, uh, horticulture for the bees, and um, uh, I've got a pharmaceutical data company, and I worked on Zika virus, and I was curious as to why the mosquitoes could fly and thrive in wet weather when you think they get knocked out of the sky, but they don't because they're adapted to work. Well, that's a bit of an opener. The hairs on their, the hairs on their body. Good grief. Well, round of applause for Jonathan. I did the blue squ- No, I know you did. I know, I know you did. We're going to squeeze in Jack in Stowmarket very, very quickly, Jack, because my producer tells me that you're a genius. What did you want to say? Um, for the question, who taught the first teacher, I believe yeah. it might have been Thales of Miletus, who was a Greek pre-Socratic philosopher, um, and I think he may have taught Pythagoras, who came up with the Pythagoras' theorem. And what would Pythagoras have called him, though? Well, Pythagoras would probably have called him uh, his teacher. And then I presume he came up with most of his stuff himself. And then decided to pass it. Oh, what a beautiful answer. How old are you, Jack? I'm 13. Good grief. Well, have a round of applause. <laughs> oh, brilliant answer. Pre-Socratic. I wasn't even close. Hundreds of years out. That's it for me for another day. It's one o'clock. We'll do it again tomorrow morning from 10. The next voice you will hear on LBC belongs to Sheila Fogarty.